All right, everybody, this is the next episode in Brokenness to Faith, the podcast. And uh, today's topic, we're going to be talking about a controversial subject uh, among Americans today, and not just Americans, but in countries all over the place. But we're going to focus on uh, America for this topic. And um, before we get into it, because I'm sure you want to know what it is, <laughs> um, you can find our podcast, Brokenness underscore to underscore faith on Instagram. That's their Instagram page. And you can search just Brokenness to Faith for Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, any of your major um, podcast, uh, podcast yeah. sites, uh, <laughs> what you use on your phone. Um, you can look us up there. Tell your friends. Give us a five-star review if you like us. <laughs> Please. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. If, if you don't like us, give us one star. I, <laughs> the rating is not what matters to me, but... Um, if there's more stars, better ratings, more people might be interested in seeing what we have to offer, and that would better us in reaching more people. Um, so that's what we're about. That's what um, that's what we're doing today. So today's topic is going to be something pretty controversial. But before we get there, we got to back everything up and everything we do with scripture. So Noah's going to give us the scripture of what we. I believe for our podcast. Yeah, our podcast scripture. It's a uh, Psalms thirty four eighteen. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Mm. And so, with that, we're going to get into a topic. And the topic today is the church. No, I'm just kidding. That's not just it. It's <laughs> the church and politics. You probably thought, oh, they're just going to talk about the church. No, the church and politics. Hmm. You got people on the right side of the aisle, you got people on the left side of the aisle, you got people of different parties. For today's um, topic, and for time's sake, I know some people might say, well, there's this Libertarian Party, there's the Green Party, there's all these different parties. We're going to focus mostly on what the Bible says pertaining to maybe more of the right side, what people might consult Republican, call Republican or conservative, and people on the left side, what people might call liberal or... Um, uh, left wing, yeah. things like that. And then we're going to go over what the Bible says, and we're going to go over should the church be involved, how much should they be involved, should they not be involved in all, the uh, separation of church and state, or should there not be? And we're going to talk about these things because in today's day and age, there is a growing number of people where we're fighting amongst each other over President Trump. There was people arguing, complaining over President Barack Obama, President George Bush. You know, and the things in the in the late '90s with what happened with Bill Clinton and his scandals, mm -hmm. and people are always fighting each other, and to the point where it's getting mixed in with our faith. Yeah, should we be involved in politics? Maybe. Should should we let it cross over to our faith to where we hate one another? No. But we're gonna get into it right now, and Noah's gonna kick it off with us for this episode of the Church and Politics. Yeah. Um. I want to start by just talking about. First and foremost, why Christians should uh, be involved in politics or care about politics, and then we'll get a little bit into um, exactly what those should be. But so I think first and foremost, you know, a lot of people feel like you know politics doesn't matter to them, or it, you know, it, whatever the case is, that it doesn't really matter, it doesn't affect their lives. Especially Christians, we kind of get this mindset that you know that stuff doesn't matter. So um, there's three things I think that we can, three points I guess as to why politics matters for us as Christians. First and foremost is the Bible speaks to all areas of life, not just spiritual life, but also a little bit of politics. Um, for example, Joseph and Daniel both served to some extent in government. 
um, Jesus, a lot of his ministry was not just spiritual teaching, but physically helping people, right? Which the Bible tells us to do all the time. Um, you know, so the point is that the Bible does speak about politics, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, you know, it is in there, and the Bible tells us to do good works and things like that. And those good works can include, you know, maybe you feel like you want to run for government, that could be a good work. Maybe you want to help out at a charity, that's a good work. You know, maybe it's just helping a homeless person on the street, that's a good work. All of these are, to some extent, you know, within that political realm of, you know, of that fear, that sphere. Um, the second thing is that politics are unavoidable. Um, you know, like I said, some people think it doesn't affect them, but that's not the case. You know, politics governs a lot of our lives, whether we realize it or not. Um, for example, you know, pastors in the Middle East or in China who have to have their services underground because the state doesn't allow that religion. You know what I mean? Politics affects them. It's not the same here in America, but for them, the politics affects a lot about, you know, what they do. Um, there's a book by St. Augustine called City of God. It's on my uh, to-read list, but it's like two inches thick. It's a massive book. Uh, but it's called The City of God, and St. Augustine pretty much talks about how we as Christians should be living in the physical world. And basically, kind of to summarize it a little bit, it's like he says that we are citizens of the city of God, right, in a spiritual sense. But while we're here on earth, we're citizens of the city of men. And we need to be engaged in that city and making it the best we can and things like that, right? You know, basically the point is that while we're living on earth, we're involved in the world around us, whether we want to or not. Therefore, we'll, we have to be involved in the politics, you know. And that's also true in America as well, you know. Even though we're not facing the same level of persecution, it's important that we're aware of what's happening, aware of the laws being put in place, aware of what's happening in our society and our culture, because, you know, some of those do affect you know, our points as, Christian, uh, as Christians, and um, especially when we start to talk about what the Bible says and what we should be standing for, you know, we need to be aware of that because ultimately we don't want the Bible to begin, to begin pushed to the side or the truth to be, um, you know, negated because we're not standing up. And the third last thing is that um, the, the government is responsible for I can't even read my own notes here, but restraining, there we go, restraining Amen. evil Amen. and rewarding good. I love bad handwriting. I, <laughs> I should type my notes like Mark does, but I don't. Um, real quick, I'm going to read Romans 13, chapter 1 through 7. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive uh, coordination upon themselves. Condemnation upon themselves, I'm sorry. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a ministry of God to, uh, for you to do good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it, is, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Basically, a lot of what Paul says there is that government does have a purpose, and that is to punish evil, right? And if we as Christians are not involved in that, if we're not aware of that, if we're not you know, paying attention to that, 
that function begins to become lost, right? What's evil begins to be praised by the government. Um, what is good begins punished by government. And we can go on and on about that. Um, but it's important we're aware of that. Um, there's, a, there's a book I saw while I was doing some research called um, something like The Christian Impact on Government or something like that. I forget what it's called. But basically the author kind of outlines points throughout history where Christianity made major effects in government. For example, in Rome, in ancient Rome, because of Christian influence in the government, Rome outlawed uh, infanticide, which is the killing of children, um, child abandonment, and the gladiatorial games were all outlawed because of Christianity. Um, in ancient Europe, it ended the practice of human sacrifice, and in India, it prohibited the burning of widows. Um, you know, These are examples of a few things that were ended because of Christian, Christian influence, right? Things that were considered good that the Bible said, no, this is wrong. Um, and the point being that we as Christians need to be aware about what our government's doing, what's going on, so that you know, these evil things that the Bible says is evil remain evil and don't um, get confused for good. Um, and then the last thing I want to say is Jeremiah 29.7, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into, uh, into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Um, this is obviously speaking about the, the Israelites were in Babylon in exile. But God says, you know, the, the welfare of Babylon is also your welfare, right? So be praying for it. Be aware of what's going on. Um, so I just wanted to start by saying that, that it is important that we as Christians are at least aware of what's going on. You don't have to be an activist or run for office or anything like that, but at least be aware of what's going on in your local city, in your state, and even on the federal level, and you know, make it a point to go out and vote. Make it a point to at least be conscious of these things that are happening. Um, so that's about all I have to say. I know, Mark, you want to talk a little bit more about yeah, uh, what we should a, a be few, believing. A few side notes that aren't... Uh, necessarily on topic but <laughs> when it comes to politicians just a side note not every politician is corrupt um mm. there are a lot of politicians out there who they first get into politics and their heart is in the right place but then you got corruption and big corporations and whether it's right side left side doesn't matter. and then they they realize their only chance of winning sometimes is if they they stand for things that these big companies want them to stand for because those big companies That's will true, give yeah. them lots of money but there are not a lot of people who are like that. Not every politician is corrupt. Not everything in the government is corrupt. Yeah. Not everyone running for some uh, position in office in your state, your city, uh, president, whatever, they're not all non-believers. There are some that yeah. are le legitimately Christian and love God. And the other thing I want to say is don't complain if you don't go out and vote. <laughs> don't be like, oh, man, look at what Barack Obama did. Or look what Trump's doing or look what... This person, that person, our district, or look how California is falling into shambles when we don't go out and vote. Yeah. <laughs> and, and me and Noah, we're not going to get into what side we're on. It, that's not important um, just for the discussion's sake. And those of you who know us personally, listen to this podcast, if you hear what side we're on, some of you might be mad. Um, <laughs> but, the, but the idea here is we, we can't complain unless we go out. And, and do what we feel we're called to do in the Bible is to is to go out and vote and do what the government the Bible talks about doing, you know, uh, living under the government. Yeah. And living under the rules of the government. One of the rules of the government is every so many years for different positions, n new people run and and people could be on the out. New people could come in, and that's based off us doing our job that the government wants us to do, and that's to go out and vote. But anyways, 
let's get really into it. The church and politics. I want to start off. It's like kind of, I don't want to say a quote, but just an experience this pastor had. And then I'll read a quote because I always got to have a quote. This guy, Lee Hole Moses. He said this about kind of like the church and politics. Lee Hole Moses. He said, in the past two years, our congregation has lost at least one regular attendee because we're too political. At least one other person in our congregation left because they thought we're not political enough. Some folks wish we were out in force, wearing our church t-shirts at every protest. Others wish I would tone it down from the pulpit and just preach about how to be a good person. I take some solace in the adage that if we're making people mad, we must be doing something right. (laughs) And I think it's true. You could preach about how we need to stand for this, we need to stand for that. And get too political, and some people get fired up, like, amen, yes, that's what we need. Then you're going to get people who walk right out the door. But then you're going to get those those people where if you do it the other way, hey, we're not involved in politics at all, we're not standing for anything, we're just going to preach the Bible, quote-unquote, but yet the Bible has many topics that pertain to politics because there are things in the Bible that we need to stand for, and those, some of those things are brought up in politics every day. Yeah. And so if you don't talk about any of that and where we should stand, then you're going to get people walking out the door also. And I like this quote. Um, I don't have a name for it, so sorry. You're just going to have to trust it's an actual <laughs> quote. Um, you can believe it's me, but it, it, it's not. We'll say it's you. Yeah, okay, good. As soon as the church becomes a spokesperson for a political party, it has lost its freedom to be faithfully political in a society that needs Christians guided by a kingdom vision of human flourishing for all, rather than the narrow agenda of one party. I like that. As soon as the church becomes a spokesperson for a political party, it has lost its freedom to be faithfully political in a society that needs Christians guided by a kingdom vision of human flourishing for all, rather than the narrow agenda of one party. Me personally, I truly believe that there are from my perspective, and people on the other side of the aisle might see another perspective, I truly believe one party leans heavily more towards the Bible than another. Yet at the same time, if I were to get up on stage and preach that vision or that side of things, I might turn people away from the church altogether. When in reality, my goal is to save people, not to get them to join my political party and my political allegiance. But I would hope that as I'm doing my job as a Christian and and our church, the local church, whatever church is doing their job, not necessarily because of that church, but because of God moving, they will get saved. And if they get saved over time as they're reading the Bible, they're going to Bible studies, getting mentored, they will truly start to feel convicted about different sins they've done. But not just that, but they will feel convicted about certain beliefs they had. I know many of you guys listening, when you came to Christ over time, you started to realize certain lifestyles you did were wrong. Some of it came right away. Hey, I just came to Christ, and I just right away you're thinking about it. And you're like, I can't get drunk anymore. I can't do this. That's this is wrong. But then there's littler things, or I, I don't want to necessarily say literal things. Literal, little, 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 things. There you go. Thank you. That that you know just come to mind over time. Like, man, you know what? I used to believe in this. I used to stand for this. Maybe it's a something in the Bible, but. We didn't know or like a political stance, and we're like, man, we had it all wrong, and we didn't know it. And it comes over time. We, we don't think about it right away, but it comes in time, and then we get this conviction, and then we turn away from that. You see? So for me to push one side 
or another side of an agenda can turn people off when really we need to just preach the gospel, hope people get saved, and then over time we would hope and pray that they start to stand for what the Bible stands for. Right. But a side note again, you could stand for, in my opinion, what the Bible stands for and not be a Christian. You could you could vote in your mind what the Bi- what the Bible might say, but there are plenty of people who might think, you know, voting, you know, liberal or voting conservative, they might think that's the Christian way, yet they're not even Christian. Yeah. So it really doesn't matter. You can <laughs> think, oh, this this way is, is all is all about the Bible. And maybe they didn't vote. They didn't do that with that in their forefront of their mind. That's just how they vote. But they're not even a Christian. It doesn't matter if you vote right in your mind. If you don't know Jesus, it doesn't matter. But if we align ourselves with Jesus and we're praying to him on these big issues that come up, he would give us the answer. Some people might say, oh, well, I've been praying and he hasn't given me the answer. Sometimes the answer is right in your Bible. Yeah. And sometimes the answer, I mean, no shame. I've shared this probably before. Just Google. Go Google and say, what does the Bible say about this topic? And read a few articles. See what scriptures they give. Go talk to your leader. Go talk to your pastor. Go talk to someone in church. Hey, I'm struggling with this issue. Can you give me some clarification? If you're not in a good Bible-believing church, you know, forget the church and politics podcast you're doing right now. Go find yourself a good church. <laughs> yeah. Go online. Talk to your friends. Find one. And then come back. And let's see. This is where we're at, like, what? The... The 10 to 15 minute mark, then come back right here at the 10 to 15 minute mark and listen to this. Now, um, really quick, I want to just go over three things um, that are major differences, and there's probably a ton more, so I know a lot more. I know, I'm just for time's sake, three things that conservatives believe and that the opposite is what the Democrats believe. So most conservatives, and I'm saying most because I'm sure there's people who are like, oh, I don't believe in that, and I'm conservative. I, I don't believe in that. I'm liberal. The, the general consensus. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, most conservatives are for lower taxes. They believe that um, we should be able to take in more of our money. They understand we need to pay for cops and policemen and teachers. Um, cops and policemen, those are the same thing. Uh, <laughs> cops and firefighters. There you go. <laughs> um, it's not as funny as a joke when I catch my own mistake. So, But they believe in lower taxes, but, but paying for those who really – um, you know, there are government type of jobs per se. And then um, they also believe when it comes to lower taxes that our money, our own money, should be our choice to give to like the Coachella Valley Rescue Mission, should give to Martha's Village and Kids. Those are um, homeless shelters and uh, they provide things for family. That's in our area, Coachella yeah. Valley. But homeless shelters, they believe, you know, we believe people should give their own money. Churches should give their own money to those things um, and things like that. Whereas Democrats believe in higher taxes. And they want to give government-funded money or money that, not government-funded, but our money, our taxes, should go to, yeah, of course, firefighters, policemen, teachers, but should go towards just throwing money at at poor people or throwing money at, you know, um, different things. And um, certain Christians would say, you know what, that it shouldn't be like that, whereas other Christians say, well, we need to be compassionate towards these people. But look at certain people who, they do drugs, and they're just wasting the money we give them. Other people are like, but this person and, and their kids are legitimately homeless, and they're really trying. And where do we find the balance of that when it comes to lower taxes or higher taxes? Another thing, uh, Republicans or conservatives, they're against abortion. They're for life, whereas most liberals or Democrats would say pro-choice. A woman should have a right to choose. A woman should have a right to... You know, maybe their life's in danger. Maybe something's going to go wrong. Maybe they're scared and they're young and they're not ready to take on another human being. They're not married and they have to take care of it alone. 
You know, but um, endless situation. Democrats say they should have that choice, whereas conservatives would say life is precious. Life was created by God. Um, you know, we need to protect life, even in even in situations of rape, even in situations of um, j- just these bad situations where you could the baby or you could be at risk. Um, conservatives say no, at all costs, we need to save that life. So right. there, 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 there's so many different things there. And then the last one is. Conservatives, a big topic nowadays is traditional marriage. Conservatives are for the traditional marriage of a man and a woman um, coming together and getting married, whereas Democrats would say um, you should be able to choose who you want to marry, a man and a man, a woman and a woman, transgender and a woman, transgender and a man. I mean, it could be endless. There is, you know, in Utah, I believe it is, you can marry multiple people. Yeah. You know, and I know people can pull out, you know, lots of things like in the Old Testament. Well, they had so many wives and this and that. You got to look at the context of everything. And some of those contexts, God didn't look highly when they did that. Yeah. And so, but those are three things that they kind of, you have to balance it. Like, where where do we stand on these things? Because some people might say conservatives, they're right. They On these three topics, that's how it should be. But then other people, like I can say, man, you're so harsh. There's no compassion there. Whereas liberals might say we stand for all these things, yet people on the other other people looking on the outside say, yeah, but you're not really standing for the Bible. It's compassion versus, in a sense, morals. And where do we where do we put those together? So I got a few here. Conservative churches uh, generally stand for life, but people on the outside would say, well, they they're for life except for when it's outside the womb. Yeah, people would say, "Yeah, you're you're for conservative church. Yeah, you're for that life in the womb, that baby." But when it comes to um, other things, we'll get into in a minute. Then you're not for it. So conservative churches would say, "Also, we uh, are welcoming to all." They say they stand for life, but other people would say, "Except for outside the womb." What do I mean by that? Conservative churches would also say they're welcoming to all, but are they really welcoming to all? Because most of the time they would say, "We welcome everybody, except for." LGBT people, people who claim other religions, illegal immigrants, people who lean he- heavily liberal, criminals, people with tattoos and piercings, and and a more uh, liberal look, or you know, <laughs> I don't I don't know necessarily not describe that, but things like that. Then there are liberal churches who say they're for life, except when it's inside the womb. They believe it's a woman's right to choose, and if they're at risk or they're um, they got raped, which I'm not trying to pick one side or the other, but percentage statistics show rape and incest only make up like less than two percent. Yeah, it's even less. I think it's yeah. like less than one percent. But that's the selling point for liberals. And yeah. I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just saying they would say they're for life, except for when it's inside the womb, in the sense that women should have a right to choose. Liberal churches would say they're welcoming to everyone, except for when it's people who stand for traditional marriage or who say they're against abortion, or people who disagree with them on topics on what they believe are important things. So in reality, there's a balance we need to find. I think conservatives, in my opinion, from a church perspective, they need to be able to show more compassion and less judgment. I think from a liberal perspective, liberal churches, they show that compassion. They're for loving everybody, yet they need to learn to get more in line what um, the Bible says. With what the Bible says. I got a few more cases. There are extremes on both sides. I know conservative churches that if you even go to their website, you can probably find a few, and they have questions and answers on some of their pages. And some will say, 
how should I dress? And some of those churches will say, our church typically wears business casual and suits. And, but you're welcome to come just as you are. But <laughs> really, am I? If I showed up in sandals, shorts, and a shirt, and everyone else is wearing traditional suits and ties and, and really, uh, you know, really long dresses, I, I wouldn't fit in. Yeah. Some even go farther and say it's dishonoring to God to wear a shirt and jeans to church. We need to give God our best, not just with our finances, with our life, but in what we wear when we're in the presence of God, which I, I There's cannot, some truth to that, but... I, I cannot find that, though, in the yeah. Bible anywhere where it, the Bible says you need to dress up in your Sunday best oh, yeah, it's or definitely it's not dishonoring <laughs> to me. Definitely not scriptural, that's uh, for sure. I know churches... Um, I know a Christian church, and there might be more, that films their services, and if you're in the first few rows where the cameras are, you must be wearing a suit. You must be wearing a tie or a nice long dress, and if you're not, they're going to have you sit in a seat that are outside the cameras <laughs> because that's how they portray it. Oh, we're welcoming to all, but if you get here early enough to sit in the first few rows, we're going to put you more in the middle of the back where the cameras can't see you if you're wearing a shirt and jeans because... We, we, we believe you need to wear something nice. They might say they're welcoming to you until you come in with the jeans and T-shirt. Right. Which, by the way, in this podcast we're doing right now, me and Noah are both wearing... Uh, jeans, jeans and a shirt. And <laughs> I know other Christian churches, some of these... Those first two are more conservative ones that I, I've seen. I've seen liberal churches where um, they, they rarely preach the gospel, they rarely preach the Bible, but I, and I've listened to some of these sermons from different churches where they'll share one verse... And preach for like 20 minutes on social justice and claim that's what the Bible is all about, how we need to stand up. And they almost make it a political stunt. We need to stand up for this agenda or that agenda or this thing or that thing. Right. This is what God would want us to do. And then I got one more before Noah's going to input. And then I know a church that believes the Bible has errors in it with the wrong definitions and the wrong Greek and Hebrew, how we translate it, <laughs> wow. and how other beliefs are okay, or they might not say it directly, but they'll say, wherever you're at on your spiritual journey, you're welcome here. Yeah, I'm okay with that in the sense you're a new believer, you're a long-time believer, but a lot of those churches mean it like, hey, if you're coming from a Muslim background, you're coming from maybe you don't believe in God at all, well, you can come here and just seek out your own faith of, of what you want to believe, and we will accept you and love you. And I'm not trying to hate because I'm giving you perspectives on both sides. But those are extreme sides. You know, those are extreme things that, to me, in my opinion, it, you know, you can be conservative, but to say like, hourly, you have to dress super nice or things like that, 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 that sometimes is a bit much. But then other churches that you can wear whatever the heck you want and you can be half naked. And we're going to do a 20-minute message on social justice, how we need to get out there and put up picket signs and, and go against President Trump or go against whatever president and they're wrong and they're racist and and we, all this stuff you know and some of those churches believe that there's errors and that some of the pastors are wrong and you know we we can we can believe what we want to we just need to come together in unity blah 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 and it's extreme but you see that more and more these extreme sides um popping up more and more yeah. and where do we find this middle ground and i'm not talking middle ground where some errors are okay that part no but i mean like where do we find middle ground where we can talk about social justice we can talk about the the problems of our society today yet do so in a way that pertains to the bible here this is what the bible has said 
about this topic that we call social justice today. Hey, the poor or the people at the border or different things. Well, what does the Bible say about that and how, we, how should we react to it? Here's what Scripture says. Let me give you three points on it. And let's dig into Scripture about what the Bible says about this topic or that topic. And let's seek the Lord in prayer and see what He has to say. Rather than just, let's get picket signs. Here's a verse. This is what I'm going to tell you. This guy and that girl on, in the, on this side of the aisle in, in politics, they're wrong and blah, blah, blah. Instead of going fighting with each other, let's go to the Lord yeah. and pray about it. And certain topics we talk about, we can talk about political topics in the church because they're in the Bible. Abortion's in the Bible. You see you know, different topics on homosexuality in the Bible. You see things about obeying the government. Even when some of these people in the Bible who who you know were under following God, they got persecuted for it. And how do we react? How do we do this? Yeah. The Bible's all about political issues if you really dig deep into it. I mean, that's where we get some of these issues today. Yeah. I mean, people in the world today are fighting over political issues that a lot of which one side was founded on the Bible and people are arguing it shouldn't be like that or it's interpreted differently. But a lot of them comes back to things that we have found in the Bible. Yeah. I just wanted to interject real quick because one... You mentioned how some of the more liberal churches will do like the twenty-minute message with like one verse. It's funny because you can kind of nail it like right on the head. Um, about like a year ago, me and my family went to a church up in Berkeley, and the the pastor went up, shared one verse, talked for twenty minutes, barely even talked about the verse, barely talked about anything spiritual, and that was it. And it's like I left thinking I didn't learn anything, I didn't gain anything, I, you know, nothing that that person said mattered at all it was like (laughs) he nailed it right on the head um but the other thing i wanted to say is that in my notes for this section all i put down was is it in the bible right yeah because that's pretty much at the end of the day is it you know like you said there's i guess good on both sides of the aisle and bad on both sides of the aisle the end of the day is is it in the bible you know like you said when people you know churches make you wear suits and ties right is that in the bible no i mean it does you can infer the idea of being respectful in church and dressing you know, appropriately, but that's different than forcing somebody to dress certain ways, right? Yeah. And so, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, is it in the Bible? If it's not in the Bible, then it doesn't matter, right? You do whatever you want. But if it does say in the Bible one way or the other, then that's how it is, right? The Bible says that God formed us in the womb, you know, and knew us before he, he even did that. He knew us, right? Before we were in the womb, he knew us. Therefore you know, abortion is wrong. That's what the Bible says. And so it, it's, at the end of the day, it's just go back to the, the Bible, right? And that's how we should base the structure of our churches and things like that. So that's kind of just what I wanted to interject into that. So. Yeah, so I got a, a quote for you guys, and it's more like a paragraph. And if you heard our live podcast that we did um, in the last episode, I gave you like, it was longer than a quote. But I'm going to be honest, <laughs> if something's good, I'm not going to just give you a little piece of it. If it's still good, I'm going to give you the whole thing. Right. I'm not going to give you the piece of the pie. I'm going to give you the whole pie, okay? Yum. I'm going to give you a <laughs> piece of the, of the pepperoni pizza pie. I'm going to give you the whole pepperoni wow. pizza pie. So guy by the name of Peter, um, I'm not going to try to say his last name. Oh, I will. It'll probably be funny. It's really bad. I'm going to mispronounce it. But Peter Boutenoff. B-O-U-T-E-N-E-F-F, Bouten-F. We're, we're people who do podcasts. I'm not, I'm not a teacher, English teacher. So <laughs> we're not, we're not English specialists. <laughs> um, yeah, anyways, we'll get there. He said, We as Christians are asked to weigh in on politics. 
especially as politics bear on morality. We speak about the values of the gospel. With this, we are really talking about Christ's values. And that entails identifying who Christ is and what he does and what he teaches us. Who is Christ? He is the God-man, the eternal Son of God who becomes human. What does he do? He lives among us as a human being and suffers the full consequences of fallen human society all the way up to his death, which became a path to our eternal life. Now let's consider what he teaches us. Christ's values are set out plainly in Matthew 5-7. Those are the commandments that spell out the love of God and neighbor, love of God and neighbor for all, its implications as we live our lives. Christ's identity, actions, and teachings cover, converge. Love to the end. Cultivate and persevere life. Check your anger and lust. And if we want to see further how these principles are to be lived out, we can look at Matthew 25, 31, 46. So how would these principles be spelled out when it comes to American political parties and political issues? Let's take two of the more urgent issues as examples, poverty and abortion. I would suggest that while the gospel is clear on the goals, the redressing of the rich-poor index, the reduction of abortions, it does not prescribe the means of attaining them. Do we readdress poverty and care for the poor primarily through individual, individual charitable giving and service, like things of the church, or primarily through tax-funded government administrative programs? Do we reduce abortions by making them illegal or by the changing of the culture, persuading people that life in the womb is life and addressing the social and economic conditions that account for the highest concentration of abortions? The gospel obviously couldn't have um, envision the political systems in place in the United States today. Gospel values do not prescribe for us how to shape our governments. They tell us how to live. This leaves us with the responsibility to make our political decisions on the basis of our best judgment as to which actions will yield the most life-giving results. Many Democrats and many Republicans feel with great conviction that their choice is the truly Christian one. But let's face it. Neither party today truly and fully embodies Christ's values, and neither presents the only right solution. Our secular political culture feels less and less inclined toward respectful dialogue and creative political thinking. Our church culture sometimes feels like, just as diverse, this is the first time for us in the church to come together across political disagreements to articulate and reaffirm the Christ-centered goals that we do share even as we will argue reasonably and prayerfully for different ways of reaching them. This guy, Peter, he's the professor of systematic theology at St. Vladimir's Orthodox Theological Seminary. I know that's a long uh, quote there, but I like the line that says, Gospel values do not prescribe for us how to share our governments. Right. They tell us how to live. You know, the Bible and the values of the Bible... They show us how to live. They don't show us, okay, this is the Bible values, so that means you're conservative. Here's the Bible values, that means you're liberal. Here's right. the Bible values, so whatever the name of your party is in your country or whatever, you're supposed to vote for this one because that's, that's it. No, we're supposed to live it out. The Bible and the gospel values tell us to live it out. And that's when our votes, that's when things happen in our country— when we live out the gospel, when we live out the gospel prayerfully and legitimately, because there's a million people in the world who say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but they do idiotic things. They never go to church, they never read their Bible. But when you legitimately live the life of a Christian and legitimately live out the life of someone who's uh, 
doing the, what the gospel values every day, then you will know that God's going to convict you and show you how to vote on each matter. And right. if everyone's in unison by doing that, then the government will go the way of the gospel. I truly believe that. But we have to live the gospel's values. Because when we do that, people will start to see Christ in us more. And when they start to see Christ in us more, they'll be more inclined to maybe, as we're praying for them, come to church. Maybe one day get saved. And then maybe one day start to live out those gospel values we have, and in turn do the same thing. You cannot reach people with the gospel if you do not have gospel values. You cannot reach people and draw closer to God if you truly, truly do not value the teachings and the things Jesus said, the, prescri the, the prescribed teachings of the Old and New Testament, and how the Bible wants us to live. If you say you're a Christian, but you do not live by the way the Bible wants us to live, then there's not, it's going to be hard to reach people. I know that might right. sound off topic, but if you want your country to change, yeah, it starts with prayer. Yeah, it starts with on your knees. You hear that all the time. But in reality, every day, it starts with you living out the gospel and what the and, and the gospel's values. It starts with you living out the gospel's values. And when you start living that out, people will start to see Christ in you. And then when they get saved and they get changed and rearranged, they're going to start not to make it sound political, although it is, well, that's what we're talking about. They will start <laughs> to vote the way you vote because as Christians, we should be voting the gospel and, and the right. gospel values. And we should all be in unison with how we vote that way. And sadly today, many Christians on both sides of the aisle are voting different ways because they're lost. They don't get it. And I'm not just blaming liberals. I'm not just blaming conservatives. But that's how it is. We need to come together and look at dialogue and maybe take from liberals and say, how can we be more compassionate, per se, like liberals? And maybe we can take conservatives and say, hey, you know what? How can we be more in line with, with maybe some of these things with what the Bible says without losing our compassionate worldview, right. you know, and things like that. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the next point of discussion is um, kind of on a more general level is the church and politics, right? So we talked a little bit about the individual believer, but I kind of want to talk about the church and politics. Um, so first I'll talk about church in the government and then flip it to government in the church um, because I feel like it's kind of important to talk about the idea of church and state and separation of church and state while we're talking about politics. So just briefly want to talk on that. Um, I'm going to share two quotes by two of the founding fathers that don't really have anything to do with the separation of church and state, but they're just interesting quotes about religion that the founding fathers gave, and then I'll tie them in. Um, so this first one's by... Fans blowing my papers around. Uh, first one's by Thomas Jefferson. Um, I don't know when he said this or why he said it, but... He said, God who gave us life gave us liberty. And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of God, that they are not to be violated but with his wrath? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever, that a, revol a revolution of the wheel of fortune, a change of situation is among possible events, that it may become probable by supernatural influence. The Almighty has no attribute which can take side with us in that event. And then another one by um, John Adams. This is in his diary and autobiography that he wrote. Um, Suppose a nation in some distant region should take the Bible for their only law book, and every member should regulate his conduct by the precepts there exhibited. Uh, every member will be obliged in conscience to temperance, uh, frugality, and industry, to justice, kindness, and charity towards his fellow men, and to piety, love, and reverence toward Almighty God. What a utopia, what a paradise would this region be? Um, so those are just a few of the quotes, but 
you know, there's this idea that the founding fathers were anti-religion, that they didn't like it at all, but that's not true, right? The founding fathers were all, you know, believers to some extent, um, and, and they highly value the importance of religion as a foundation for society, right? Even the Declaration of Independence says, you know, we have, you know, these God-given rights, you know, of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, right? They acknowledge in the Declaration of Independence that those liberties that were the basis of our country were founded in God. Um, but I just want to briefly say that the, the idea of separation of church and state is, I guess, in my opinion, is that the the state should not enforce a religion, right? However, they should walk by the Bible, if that makes sense, right? You know, that even in a local, in our church, we don't force people to come to our church. We don't force them to do certain things. We don't and force them. And that wouldn't them. be real Christianity. Yeah. If you were forced right. to believe God and you didn't have a choice, you wouldn't really, yeah. would you really believe it? And, and that's the point of when we say separation of church and state, the idea is that there's no enforced religion. However, that does not mean that somebody can't lead by the Bible, right? They can't, that doesn't mean somebody can't lead with the principles of the Bible, if that makes sense. You know, so the idea would be that the role of church and the government should be to enact godly laws, enact laws that follow what the Bible says, right? Um, not enforce religion, if that makes sense. So I just wanted to talk about that, um, you know, that the Founding Fathers realized the importance of Christianity specifically to the foundation of the nation, but did not want that to be enforced, and so that's why they had that separation. Um, but I want to talk now about politics in the church, right? What should the church do as a whole? And I'll just read this brief quote I saw while I was doing my research. Um, I don't remember who said it. I didn't write it down. But it said, The pastor's task uh, is to remind the congregation that the basic tenets of the faith, grace, mercy, radical hospitality, love of their, loving your neighbor, go beyond politics, but have political implications. Basically, what it's saying is that the priority of the church, the primary goal of the church, should be to feed believers, right? Should be to foster people's faith, you know, be there for fellowship, be there for spiritual support. You know, the pastor's primary job should be to feed the people, right? And that's what the Bible says. And and also with that, we should the church should be spiritually supporting the leaders, right? Praying for leaders, um, you know, things like that. And I think that's the core foundation. That's what the church should be doing. If a church is too focused on political messages and endorsing candidates and things like that, they're going to lose that foundation, and they're not going to be feeding people. Just like I mentioned that church I went to up north, right? You know, they were so focused on the political of, you know, not offending anybody, not, you know, picking sides that they lost the foundation of what a church should be. And I think when we're talking about politics in the church, that should be the foundation is we need to be you know, meeting the criteria of what the Bible says, feeding people, you know, being there to help people in their hard times as well as rejoicing in their good times. And we need to be spiritually supporting the leaders. Even if it's somebody you really hate, even if you think Donald Trump is the worst person ever in the world, you should still be praying for him. You should still be, you know, hoping that God can still use him, right? And not just saying you're praying for him. Right? Yeah, your actually. Church yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you could spend more time praying for someone you agree with and then not praying for someone you disagree with, just like people every day. It's easy right. for you to pray for the people you like. It's a lot harder to pray for the people that make you really mad. Yeah, and I think that is the core of what the church should be doing. If you want to, you know, maybe in in your prayer times, I know sometimes Pastor Mark will pray on, you know, political issues, things like that. That's fine if you want to pray for, you know, some law. But I think when we get too lost in the activism as a church, 
like I said, you begin to lose the foundation of what a church should be, right? I think that kind of stuff should be left to each Christian on their own to, you know, be the, I guess, activist or, you know, to go out there and vote, things like that. Um, You know, it's the church's job to feed believers. And if politics sometimes comes up in the course of your prayer meetings or in the course of a message, that's fine. But if every single minute of the day of a church is, you know, activism or campaigning for some candidate or whatnot, you know, you're going to start to lose people, I think, especially because not all Christians are on the same page. Like we kind of said earlier, you know, some Christians might be on the left, some might be on the right. And if a church takes a hard stance on one side, you begin to kind of shut people out. And when the goal of the church is to bring people in, you don't want to do something that could potentially push people away, unless obviously it's biblical, then if they don't want it, they don't want it. But when it comes to politics, if we can keep the doors open, I think that's the most important thing. So I know you probably have some stuff to add to that. Yeah, I would just say we need to stand for the Bible, of course. Yeah. And so we need to preach the Bible. And there are times when there are big laws or big things that could be coming up, things about abortion, whereas the Bible's clear on life. Yeah. So in our church prayer service, our church in Palm Desert, there have been times where we, we've prayed over that, not the whole service per se, but we've prayed, and, you yeah. know, I, I don't know the exact name of it, but I'm almost certain, maybe I'm wrong, but there's a day, or like a prayer for life, like a, a whole day of it in the United States where they call people to pray and stand for life, blah, blah, blah. There's these things where if it's directly in the Bible, I'm okay with That's some fine, of these yeah. things talking about it, but when you say, okay, we're going to pray for life, and we're going to bring up uh, this person running for mayor, and he's going to share all these things, <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. See, there's a difference, though, between um, the politician infiltrating the church right. and the church infiltrating politics. Because if you look at... so I know pastors in the Valley who they, they there's these big government meetings or different things going on in the Coachella Valley or maybe just in our area, and they have been asked to be the prayer person. Like, they a lot of those meetings, they'll have someone come in and they'll pray. And I don't know if they'll share a few words, of like a, bi- a five-minute message. I don't know how it all works. They're all a little different. But I've seen pictures, and I know some of these people, and I know their heart. Yeah. They're good pastors in, the, in our Coachella Valley, Palm Springs area in California. And... They will be asked to do the morning prayer or the breakfast prayer for this for this thing going on. And I'm okay with that. They've been given an opportunity. That's their personal choice to do that. Right. But then for them to go up on their pulpit and then say, Okay, this is where I this is where I was at and who I'm praying for. This person's now gonna come up and we're gonna hear their their viewpoint so we can decide if we wanna vote for them. Right. I think, the, like I said, there's a difference between politics infiltrating the church, which we're seeing more and more today, as opposed to the church infiltrating politics. Our beliefs, our gospel values should be infiltrating our government right. instead of our government infiltrating their beliefs on the church. And so um, so where should the church stand? This is the last thing I have. Well, I was a little annoyed earlier because you <laughs> almost went into uh, what I was going to say, and you shared a verse— I thought you were going to go completely the way I was going. Luckily, you only went through part of it, so I'm happy. <laughs> Romans 13.4, because I didn't mention it so far, but everything we say has got to be backed up with Scripture. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. 
They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. And even Amos 15, uh, 5.15, the prophet Amos speaks directly to the courts and government when he says, this is what he says in Amos 5.15, hate evil, love good, maintain justice in the courts. That's what the pro- prophet Amos speaks when he's speaking directly to the courts in Amos 5.15. He says, hate evil, love good, maintain justice in the courts. And when we looked at uh, Romans 13.4, uh, there's two purposes that Paul brings about in Romans 13.4. Um, it's twofold. He says, to restrain evil by punishing evildoers. And the other thing he basically brings about is, and to serve peace and orderly conduct by rewarding good behavior. Right. One point is to restrain evil by punishing evildoers. The other is to serve peace and orderly conduct by rewarding good behavior. So where should the church stand when it comes to politics? Um, right now, we are at the... 45-minute mark, and we could go on this for hours, but I'm just going to give you three points. And um, if you know me personally and you're in the area, you can come to me, text me, call me. You can see me at my local church, be like, no, there's so much more, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, <laughs> we're, just for time's sake, there's three main ones, and I truly believe these are the main ones. Where should the church stand on politics? I'm not going to say the church should stand on conservative or they should stand on, on, on the liberal side or libertarian or green party or this and that. This is the three things the church needs to stand on, specifically in concerns of politics. Number one, to restrain evil by punishing evildoers. Right. That's exactly um, from basically out of Romans uh, 13.4. Restrain evil by punishing evildoers. So when we see evil in the world, we need to stand up. And we need to fight it. And I'm not necessarily talking physical fights, although we've gone to war and we've helped other countries gain their freedom and their religious freedom and this and that. Um, so sometimes there is a call, whether people disagree or agree, and it, yes, it is controversial, but there are people in third world countries that, like we mentioned, have their Bible studies underground, super quiet, different things. Why? Because it, it, they're, they're going to get punished. They could be beheaded. They could get jail time for that. We need to fight for those people, whether it's literal fighting, which not, that's not always the case, but praying on our knees and hoping that their government somehow gets infiltrated with the gospel. But we need to restrain evil by punishing evildoers. When someone does something wrong, you know, in our country, we need to stand for that. You say, oh, but God forgives us. Yes, he does. But if we do not ask for forgiveness from God, we will be damned forever in hell for eternity. Just that it is what it is. To restrain evil by punishing evildoers. When people get kicked to the ground, when people get thrown to the wayside, we as Christians need to stand for them. All right. You know, I'm not saying I'm pro-LGBT or anti-LGBT, but when there are people who are getting spit on, when there are Christians out there yelling in their face and saying they're wrong, going to hell, I'm going to stand for those LGBT. Am I standing for their lifestyle? No. But am I standing for the person? Yes, I am, because I stand for people. I don't stand for some of the actions of the people, but I stand for the people despite their actions. If I see even someone who may be a friend of mine and they're liberal and they do not have godly beliefs, but they're on the street and they're getting beat up. I'm going to try to save them just as much as I would someone who's in my church. Because I want to rest- I want to restrain evil by punishing evildoers. We need to fight the evil and stand for what's good. We need to stand for people. And you say, well, that person, they don't really believe in God, blah, blah, blah. But the right thing in the Christian Bible and, and what we should do is stand for people and pray and hope and, and, and evangelize and live on these gospel values in hopes that they get saved. And change through our lifestyle and through reaching out to them. Then the, so to restrain evil by punishing evildoers. Number two, 
the church, uh, one of the three things the church needs to stand specifically concerns politics, number two, is to serve peace and orderly conduct. You will never win the war in reaching people. You will never win the war on infiltrating our government with the gospel and Jesus if you're doing these non-peaceful protests, if you are riding in the streets like Antifa, if you're doing all these crazy things, one, you're just giving Christians a bad name, and you're creating right. more, um, you're building up a, a, an even bigger wall amongst Christians on both sides of the aisle by doing that. Christians are not called to do unpeaceful you know, um, protests and riots. We're not called to break into businesses because we believe big businesses suck. We're, we're, <laughs> we're not called to do that. We're called to, to serve peace and orderly conduct. Right. The government wants us to um, pay higher taxes. Me, personally, I'm not for necessarily higher taxes. But if, where I live in California, that's what it is right now. I'm going to abide by that. that. California has some of the highest gas rates uh, per gallon. But, you know, this is where I'm at. This is where I feel God's calling me to be. Yeah. I'm going to pay and, that gas. And Paul does say later on in Romans uh, 11 or whatever, no, Romans 13, he says, you know, pay tax and the who taxes do as well. Yeah, so. yeah. And even Jesus says that when yeah. they try to catch him in a trap, and he says, pan to Caesar, what is the Caesar's? Yeah. So unless it directly violates my faith, and I mean it's clear in the Bible, you know, it's clear cut in the Bible, then um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to abide by it unless it's clearly against the Bible. But if whatever, if our president now, President Trump, or whoever the next president, they say, hey, you know, everyone has to wear a suit and tie every day. I mean, something that, that to me is not a deal breaker. I might not like it, but I'm just going to wear it and abide by what the government wants me to do. Government wants to take away all my paycheck. Okay, I can live here, and if I do, I have to abide by that rule, or I can take the steps to go somewhere else. But as long as wherever I'm at, I'm going to, I'm going to serve peace and orderly conduct. Some of the most godly people I know are people who don't complain, who don't argue, who don't try to fight, even when they're being wrong, who, ha who at their jobs... They always are constantly getting ridiculed or they're getting the worst part of that job for that day. Every day they're getting the worst part of it, yet they don't complain. They serve peace and orderly conduct. If I go into work and my boss says, we need someone to do this, this, and that, I say, I ain't doing that. You, you always pick on me and blah, blah, blah. We're not serving peace and orderly conduct. And how are we going to reach people with the gospel and show them our gospel values? You know. So the first two points the church needs to stand on three things specifically in concerns politics are to restrain evil by, by punishing evildoers, number two, to serve peace and orderly conduct, but then number three, and I guess I added this in there, but this should be <clears throat> without saying, <clears throat> we need to pray and read our Bible and seek guidance for your inside <clears throat> before taking a stand for what you think is right on the outside. Right. We need to pray to God daily, read our Bible daily. Seek guidance, whether it be from prayer in the Bible or from your leaders in your church, you know, different articles you read, and see what, <clears throat> where the Lord takes you before you take a stand on the outside. We need to check our hearts on the inside, and if there's, <clears throat> if there's some thing coming up and you think it's a big deal and it could change our country, pray, read your Bible, seek God, where should we stand, talk to your pastor, do these things. So before you start standing on, on the outside, I've seen people post things on social media as Christians, posting things that are totally things that politicalized that do not stand for God, yeah. but they, they were uninformed. They didn't really know what it meant. 
they just saw other people that they they know posting it or they had some you know someone told them something but it had nothing to do with god it was against the bible and they didn't even know it so i would say be informed but be informed not by reading the news because you're just going to pick a side based off your feelings yeah no <laughs> you know, be informed by reading your bible seeing what the bible says even i, I mean people might be against me unless i say a lot but Google, hey, what does the Bible say on abortion? What does the Bible say about LGBT? And look at what the Bible says on both on both sides. Pray. Seek guidance from your pastor. But the main thing is really pray and read your Bible. Because you can read articles and you can you can keep reading articles till one fits your belief system. Yeah. I'm not saying articles are bad because there's some godly people who write stuff out but there. But they're biased, though. So. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm not gonna say always say, oh, just seek your pastor. If you're in some crazy church. They're going to give you information that fits their agenda. If you're in a social yeah. justice church trying to figure things out, they're going to give you their bias. Pray, read your Bible, and then thereafter, look at articles, do your research, you know, go to your pastor leaders, and ask God for conviction. God, convict me. Which way should I go? Because people say, oh, this podcast, it, it's not important, politics, blah, blah, blah. But politics shape our country. Right. I mean, there are things today where before it was a big no-no to, to, for a man and a man to get married. And now it's getting to the point where you're reading stories where you're seeing older women or older men being able to date underage people. You know, you're seeing things nowadays where in, in Utah, even religious people, I'm not just saying it's the left or I'm not just saying it's the right. There's people who probably vote right and, and they have multiple wives and yeah. they consider themselves religious, you know. And that doesn't, you know, where are we at on all this? So you really need to pray. You really need to seek God. And that's how you're going to get the best answers. But in a general sense, where should the church stand? Concerns Paul, you need to be in a church that to restrain evil by punishing evil. We need to stand for truth, stand for justice, and go against evil. And then we need to serve in peace and orderly conduct. I see liberal churches that say we need to go against the evil and stand for what is good, but sometimes they don't do that in a peaceful way. But then I see conservatives who think everything else is evil, and then they 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 they, they go about their things with picket signs and different. I mean, it's just all over the place. We need to restrain evil by punishing evildoers. We need to serve peace and orderly kind. We need to serve the people, be there for the people. I keep going back to it. It might sound like a broken record, but the gospel values. Right. Pray. Read your Bible. Look up what the gospel values are. Find out the core beliefs of Jesus. It's in the Bible. We don't have time today because there's it, it could get deep. But spend <laughs> that time. Take a day off. Spend two or three hours on your day off and really study it. Seek guidance. Uh, grab coffee with your pastor and ask him these questions. If you are in a good Bible-believing church, you should be able to go to a church leader, a church pastor, and say, hey, I have some questions about church and politics. Where should we stand? And maybe they give you a short answer. Maybe they give you a long answer. Maybe they reference some scripture and the study, blah, blah, blah. Maybe they give you a book. But really seek it out. Don't just assume I'm liberal and that's how Christians vote. I'm conservative. Yeah. That's how Christians vote. I mean, I lean one way heavily, and I'm not going to tell you which side that is. But I'm just saying be informed. But don't be informed by what the news tells you. Be informed by what the Bible says and right. live your life through that lens. Don't live your life through the lens of CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, ABC, the liberal bias, the conservative bias. Don't live your life through that. It's okay if you want to watch those news. It, we need to be informed on what's going on day to day. 
I'm not saying don't watch the news because I think as Christians, I watch the local news almost every day. Yeah. On my break at work, I watch it before I go to bed because I want to know what's going on. I want to know when there's robberies or different things. I want to know how to pray for my city in Palm Springs, La Quinta, Indio, Palm Desert, Marina Dunes. I want to know about these things. But I also don't look, I don't let the news be the lens of which I see the Bible. I, I use the Bible as a lens on how I perceive the news and how I need to pray. I don't, I don't pray based off, oh, look what's happening in the news. This is my belief, so I'll pray on my beliefs. No, I read the Bible, and when I see something on the news, I say, well, what does the Bible say about what's going on? And then when I look to that, I say, okay, this is how I should pray. This yeah. is what God would want. So do not confuse the, do not mix up the two in that way. When we watch the news, don't let it dictate your faith. Your faith should dictate how you watch the news, how you get involved in politics, not the other way around. Right. Yeah, I think that's it. Get to our closing thoughts and wrap it up. So um, my my last thoughts are pretty much just, I know we've probably said it dozens of times already, but, you know, and you already said yourself, but just go back to the Bible, right? You know, one thing I will sometimes even do is I'll just go on Google and I'll type in Bible verses on blank and just see what pops up. You know what I mean? And even stuff like that, kind of just, you know, everything should be back to the Bible, especially something like political, especially something that can vary so widely on beliefs. Everything should be grounded in the Bible. Um, I think that's my final thought is, you know, every answer you have could probably be found in the Bible. Um, every political opinion could probably be found in the Bible. So just take it back there. That's pretty much it. So, And, and my final thought would be pretty much what you just said, but take it a, a step further. Every important topic in this life pertaining to politics, maybe it's clear, maybe it's not, but can be found in the Bible. Yeah. Things that aren't important as much as I would prefer, lower taxes personally, higher taxes, lower taxes, it doesn't necessarily say that in the Bible. It just says to pay unto Caesar what is Caesar. It just talks about following the authority. So is paying higher or lower taxes, is that something that the, the Bible is clear on? And Well, no. you know. But on the important topics, on abortion, on traditional marriage, on some of the on some of these things, the death penalty. We didn't even talk about that. These different topics, these important topics of today in concerns to the the government and politics and the church, um, they're in the Bible. Study it, read it, do what Noah said. Just Bible verses on this. Go talk to your leader. Go talk to your pastor. See what they have to say. But most importantly, pray. Okay, God, I looked yeah. up scripture. I talked to my pastor. He gave me this book or this other scripture, his view on it. Now I'm going to pray again, and, and God, convict me, show me. God loves it when we come to him with questions that we're, that we're searching. He doesn't like it when people act like they got it all together. Don't think, oh, God, I, like you're embarrassed to like come to God with stuff that maybe you think you should already know. No, this life is filled with questions that we don't have answers to, and there's no shame. There's no wrong question. There's no bad question. Just come to God with your questions. And maybe you thought for the longest time that Christians were supposed to be conservative, but you've always had this mindset of a liberal, and you feel ashamed to pray to God, well, God, you know, what should I do here? No, come to God. If you come to God in realness and in honesty, he will come back to you with realness and honesty. He will show you scripture. He will put someone in your path. He will have a conversation with... It's crazy how sometimes he will lead someone to talk to you, someone in your church, whatever. But if you don't know which side to stand on in concerns of politics or how deep we should go, look at scripture. Look at Romans 13 that we, we referenced here today. Look at scripture. Look at articles. Talk to your pastors. 
I know this might not be a direct answer of what you wanted. You probably wanted the church should be involved or the church shouldn't. This probably isn't a direct answer. The church should be conservative and the church should be liberal. We didn't give you a direct answer. We just gave you some viewpoints on some topics on what we believed. It was probably all over the place this time, but that's okay. But we just want you to know that in my that church should have some involvement. But how you go about that, it starts with the Bible and it ends with the Bible. And it goes back to the, the gospel values. So that is our episode today, The Church and Politics. Hopefully you got something out of it. If you have any questions or uh, about what we said in this episode or any of the last episodes, if you um, have topics you want us to talk about, you can um, email us. Do you know yeah. what the email is? Yeah, brokennesstofaith at gmail.com. Or you can go to us on Instagram, brokenness underscore two underscore faith. Um, you can look us up there at Instagram. Um, if you live in our area, the Palm Springs, Coachella Valley area, you can um, find our church, Valley Christian Assembly, on the corner of Portola and Fred Waring. It's not about our church. It's getting a good Bible-believing church. But if you have questions, we're here to do our best to answer them for you. Um, don't complain if we haven't um, <laughs> talked about something yet, if you haven't told us to talk about it. That's so, right. again, thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, we love you guys so much for giving us the opportunity to keep this going. Um, have a blessed week.